And me, Millie. Uh, so, if you wanted to give us any reviews, that would be wonderful. And this is how we're going to open, because we have had no reviews as such. And it would be lovely if anyone wanted to give us some on how you think we're doing with the new episodes. Don't you think, Lauren? It would. Yeah, the good, bad and the ugly. I can take it. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> speak for yourself, but yeah. <laughs> how are you doing? What's new? Um, yeah, I'm doing okay. Um, I think I've got to the point now where um, my patience is running a little bit thin. Mm-hmm. So I'm not saying it's tense in the household, <laughs> but I'm saying that the the fuse the fuses are, are down across, across the group. So, you know, things that you can let slide. And I think I'm a pretty patient person. I don't, oh know. I don't know if most people would say that. You're patient as a saint. You are so patient. Yeah. So I'm, I, I would think, and I mean, I've lasted quite long, but now, you know, there's things like, you know, when you put, you've put you washed the cutlery and you put the cutlery in to dry, you should always have the cutlery in, so the spoon end and the fork end facing up the way, mm. and you put the knife ones down. Mm-hmm. And that's just... Oh, just, see, I don't put just, the knife down, unless it's like a big kitchen knife. If it's a normal kitchen knife, they go up for me. But then also we have a dishwasher, so yeah. So yeah, so that's a bit different. <laughs> but just you, for normal drying, you know, the only ones that face down the way are the knives. So that means when you're putting them away, or you're going to get one, you know that the the one with the handle is the knife, and you can see the other utensil that you require. And, Interesting. And these are the things that are testing me at the moment. Um, Do you know what? If, that, if those that, are the only things that are testing you, you are doing okay. I think at this point. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's kind of my general level of patience is beginning to, to go. But yeah, apart from that, how are you doing? Yeah, no, I'm good. I feel like I'm glued to my computer and glued to logic because it's literally all I've done for the past three days is like sit and record and edit and record and edit. And not saying it's a bad thing, I love it, but like my ears could do with a break from my headphones and the pressure of them mm. constantly being on my head. But you know, again, very small, insignificant problems. Yeah, yeah, it's, a, it's a small great. It is. What is your good news story this week? Um, so yeah, mine's is a little bit of a science geeky good news story. Um, because I just thought it'd be a good time to shout out some some good old science. You do, you um, do love the the nerdy geeky stuff, and I love it. <laughs> I do enjoy it. I do. Um, so the the basically the basic good news story is that in the whole race for testing um senegal has come out um and is about three months away from having a finished product that is going to be commercially available that will deliver um covid19 testing kits for a dollar and it's based out of one of the the labs out in senegal who were one of the first to develop the yellow fever vaccine um, and they've teamed up with actually the UK um, company Clear Blue, who do the pee on a stick pregnancy tests. Mm-hmm. We all know far too well. And um, <laughs> they they've teamed up to try and use this technology, like the pee on the stick sort of spit saliva technology, um, to get uh, accurate testing for COVID nineteen that can be done in the house, and it will give you results in under ten minutes. Um, That's so, so so cool and very interesting. 
yeah so it's like because at the moment it's taking days in labs and you need sort of qualified experts to to run the the technical tests on them so this is something that would massively ramp up testing and we would be able to manufacture them in Senegal and in the UK and get something like 8 million tests annually based on the facilities that they have just now so that's some really exciting stuff that is exciting um mine's a bit more fluffy (laughs) shocker um so my good news story of the week is that the bbc reported that tom hanks the u.s actor obviously has written a letter and sent a typewriter to an australian boy who said he was bullied because of his name because his name is corona oh my god oh that's so him i mean what is corona a name but we digress that's not the point anyway that was my first question actually <laughs> i w- was he not already getting bullied for being called after a beer well for a start <laughs> yeah because corona has been around a long time maybe he was conceived while drinking corona maybe 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 yeah <laughs> um but yeah no so that there's that but yeah but he basically wrote to tom hanks and said that he was getting bullied and he had heard Tom Hanks and his wife had been really sick and he hoped they were okay. And then Tom Hanks replied saying, Dear friend Corona, your letter made my wife and I feel so wonderful. Thank you for being such a good friend. Friends make friends feel good when they are down. I thought this typewriter would suit you. And he sent him a typewriter. How adorable. So he sent him the typewriter because it's Called a Corona. the brand Corona? Yes. Right. I mean... Okay, I'm not entirely. I mean, it's cute, but I'm not entirely sure how useful a typewriter is going to be to like a ten-year-old or an eight-year-old kid. Like, I mean, maybe he'll start writing a novel about his two-meter memoirs on his typewriter. Yes, yes, the two-meter memoirs from Corona himself. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, Tom Tom Hanks can literally do no wrong in my eyes. So yeah. Yeah, saying 100%. So what else have you been doing and enjoying this week? Um, pretty much the same um, as, as most weeks. Um, but I I have, so I've neglected massively um, my Spanish lessons mm. since going into lockdown. And yeah, before, before lockdown, as you know, I was taking Spanish lessons once a week. Um... And I was, like, finally getting into it. I've said for years that I've wanted to learn Spanish. Um, finally getting into it. And then, obviously, lockdown happened. And put a massive pause on that. Yeah. But I've got all of the, the stuff with me. And there's absolutely no... Re- there's no excuse why I shouldn't be doing it. So, a while back, one of my friends that speaks Spanish quite well had said, um, basically, how they had, like... They'd improved their Spanish through like a couple of different um, avenues. The, the sort of main one being um, that before they go to sleep at night, they read the their favourite book in the language, so in Spanish, so that you know like the story that's being told, mm. but you're kind of following it through through obviously a different language, and you're picking up on new vocabulary and and sort of all the rest of it. That's such a smart um, way of doing it. It's so smart, right? So when she, when she explained it to me, I was like, that would definitely work because then your body, 
like it's just before you go to bed and then your body comes down your your sort of subconscious like still mulls over the words um but then so i've my one of my favorite books is the great gatsby and um, so i picked up el gran gatsby that is a Spanish. tough one to read in a different language do you know what? that's a tough one to read in english so <laughs> yeah well i didn't it's really think long. of that it's pretty long and it's pretty like it, it, it's quite it's quite dense sometimes like mm. it's quite and wordy it's very wordy and meaty meaty wordy yeah and it's also not very like descriptive of things it's not kind of it's not that sort of writing it's more really subliminal writing and messaging through through the words and there's not really a heavy plot in it so it's quite difficult to follow so basically i'm pretty fucking lost um <laughs> and i don't really know what's going on i'm just reading words at the moment um and and that's how i've been keeping myself occupied over the past week or so um so i can confirm that i'm trying my spanish again yeah but no entiendo mi amigo uh, no no i don't know what that means so <laughs> <laughs> i think it means i don't understand it, it might not I'm sure it does. You are definitely downplaying how good you are at Spanish. Also, the fact that you told me that you have to do it in a year. So you have to be fluent within one year for whatever reason. Um, no pressure. You're always downplaying it. And what about work? How's work been? Um, yeah, work has been a lot busier um, this week. So I think, so over the, the past few weeks or maybe the start of the lockdown things were like quite quiet or not necessarily quiet but you sort of were forced to do less and deadlines weren't coming in as thick and as fast because everybody had kind of a, a bigger elephant in the room to deal with mm-hmm. um so things have picked up a lot over the last week which kind of lets me feel myself a little bit more because yeah, um, i'm busy again um but it did kind of give me a time to like reflect a bit on how being forced to sort of slow down a little bit and maybe lose some of that control, especially over work. Um, just like how difficult that was for me, but also a lot of people like in our generation. Um, and I think over the past year, there's been loads of articles that have came out about um, the youth of today and how they're like less likely to take annual leave and they work all of their hours and they don't they don't use flexi time and they're less content about how quickly they're going through the career ladder and all of this stuff about how this our generation is kind of workaholics and mm. um, we I think we of... are but we aren't right to go back to that like obviously a lot of people yeah. do work really really hard but we also kind of have that thing of instant gratification because of all of the changes with technology we do expect things to happen quicker so i wouldn't necessarily say that we're working any harder than generations before us but we expect things to maybe things weren't documented quite as much about how hard other people were working um yeah maybe that is it and maybe it's more as well about how maybe it's like a more of a female perspective as well because there's just quite a lot of like pressure. I don't know. There's, I feel as if there's quite a lot of pressure for women, and like when they're they're trying to make a really big career to to feel that sort of force upon that they have to keep going and they can't really take the take the foot off the accelerator. Yeah, exactly. And I, and I guess we're not actually 
quite there yet. Although I do feel more and more like it's getting to that point where I'm like, oh, am I going to have babies and step out even though I'm not really where I want to be yet? Like, yeah. But then that's a whole other thing, isn't it? It's it's like, it's definitely a bit scary. Um, yeah. Good old biological clock. Cheers for that, guys. Keeps on ticking. Yeah. Um, no, Cal keeps being like, oh, you know, we've got like, we've got ages. And I'm like, mm, do we, do we have ages? Yeah. Like, what is your, what is your definition of ages? Because mine looks a little bit different, I think. Yeah, no, exactly. Yeah. Oh, one second, I just need to move. I'm sitting on one leg and my leg has gone numb. <laughs> <laughs> Wake up, Mr. Leg. Yeah, no, I've got um, very, very bad pins and needles now. But yeah. Oh, ah. How about you? What have you been up to? Um, what have I been up to? I've not read any books again. <laughs> I'm just going to point that out first and foremost. I don't feel like reading at the moment. It's so funny because at the beginning of the month I obviously read quite a lot and then I've sort of fallen off the bandwagon. That tends to happen to me during everyday life anyway. Like I'll have months where I'll read like four books and I'll have two months where I don't read any. So that's no different. But I guess I read quite a lot of lifestyle articles online and you know I read a lot of short form stuff essentially and especially this week I've been enjoying um Refinery29 Money Diaries because they're doing lockdown diaries at the moment have you ever read the Money Diaries? Yeah I think I've read a they did a a bit of a couple of years back yeah no so they do one every week and they've been doing it for years it's a really interesting insight into lots of different industries and the way that people who work in different industries like their day-to-days and then what they spend their money on and also people's different priorities so during lockdown there's been um there's been diaries about like diaries from a doctor who's working like on the front line um there's been a furloughed nanny and then there was a diary from a garment worker in bangladesh and for me it was i've never read anything from a first-hand perspective of anyone who works in that sort of industry or situation um, and it was such an eye-opener to the conditions for factory workers and like the exploitative practices in the fast, fast, fast fashion industry, which yeah. I've definitely thought about a lot. Like, um, I don't know if you saw the Stacey Dooley documentary on fast fashion. Yeah, yeah. So that... Thanks, Stacey Dooley fan. I know you are. I'm really not. <laughs> <laughs> we, we could be her arguing about that for days. Though. I can't stand her, but I really did enjoy that documentary. I just wish someone else had made it. Um, <laughs> um, but I've definitely thought about it before, but not enough, clearly, is how I felt after reading this. And I ended up in this really big sort of like Google hole after reading it about trying to find out like about whether my favourite brands pay the workers in their factories. And it's not necessarily them paying the workers, it's the factories who supply them. So they pay the factories to supply them the clothes and the factories pay the workers. So it's not always, you know, like that direct relationship. Um, And basically what I found out is that, you know, it's probably something I already knew, but I've just not been conscious of, is that a lot of brands that I do love don't pay their workers fairly or the factories they source from don't pay their workers fairly or there's just literally no information about any of it to be found um like a lot of brands just don't disclose where they get their clothes from which is worrying yeah they can just hide behind like a lot of the the sort of red tape though they don't there's a lot of like loopholes that they can go through in order not 
not to force them to be as transparent as they say that they are. Yeah, exactly, which I didn't really realise, and I do feel, like, incredibly naive, and I can't pretend like I'm going to sit and change all of my behaviours towards... I don't really buy fast fashion anyway, but do you know what? I don't think it's fast fashion that's just a problem. I can't sit here and pretend like, you know, fucking Gucci and Chanel aren't a problem because they are. They could be made yeah. anywhere, but they're, like, finished in Italy and therefore, like, pass it off as being made more ethically when it's actually probably not. But anyway, so through all of that, I came across this... Um, I don't really know, it's like a collective called Fashion Revolution who are basically, it's made up of people within the fashion industry that are trying to implement change within the industry. And what they suggest is really smart because I sort of thought that the way to fix all of these problems would be for everyone to stop buying fast fashion. And that's not the case at all. Like what they suggest that people should do in the long term is um basically we need to like demand transparency from the from the brands that we buy from so that they lean on their suppliers to pay better wages because if we were to just not buy fast fashion it would improve conditions for workers in the short term but in like the long term they'll lose their jobs and that would be you know probably i guess worse than them being paid really badly yeah, it's like the indirect consequence of like, and that basically does the complete opposite of what you're trying to achieve. And mm. I think it's really, it's really interesting because it's really easy sometimes to come up with an idea of how to solve a problem. Um, and we're seeing that a lot in the COVID nineteen response. But people sort of just like, well, obviously the the most obvious thing for us to do is to do X, which in this this example would be to stop buying from these um from these companies so that they obviously either change their ways or they go out of business but you and not understanding all of the sort of systems and the the wider um yeah the wider system that that works and is at play down from the community level straight up to the sort of global and the organizational business level you don't you don't know what what negative consequences you're going to come out of well that and then it's the other thing of do you know what normal people can't afford ethical brands not normal normal is not the right word so people on low income wages can't afford ethical brands that are really expensive that's literally just how it is ethical brands are extremely expensive and it's not even necessarily the fact that we've been conditioned to think that clothes shouldn't cost very much money it's just a case of if you only have you know 50 quid are you going to want to buy three dresses or are you going to want to buy half a dress? Because an ethical fashion yeah. brand is going to cost you, you know, £100 for a dress. And that is just yeah. isn't realistic for a lot of people. So I think and it then is when just... you're having a family as well, if you've got children that are mm. constantly going to be running through clothes and, and growing out of them and ripping them and all the rest of it, things like that, it's just, it's not feasible. In no, any... exactly. So... I thought that was just so interesting on how it just entirely changed my perspective and then the especially with like the platform that I do have the sort of the things that I need to be asking from brands because obviously well it's not obvious but I can't stop working with brands that's my job and it's my income and I'm I don't have enough of a backbone basically because like I wouldn't have an income like what do I do not work with any brands I mean, there are people who can do that, but I can't afford to do that at the moment yeah. anyway. And um, so it's just a case of then, like, 
asking more of these brands that you do work with or you are buying from yeah and it's i think it's quite it's an interesting approach because it's quite similar to what like the the sort of vegan movement has been doing Mm. because they really they similarly they are not trying to they they've pushed change and they've pushed awareness mostly through transparency so people um you know, just making people aware of some of the conditions and making people more aware of what is in their products, whether it's skincare or, or whether it's their clothing or, or whether it's the food they buy, has massively impacted the food industry. And that's why we've got such a booming vegan food industry now um, in comparison to what we had before. And, and obviously that has negative consequences elsewhere with farmers and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's all, all those sort of kinks to work out, but I think it's it sounds like a similar like strategy. And yeah, 100%. Just raising awareness and, and same with plastic, right? So it's all these yeah. things where it's just like, if enough people team together and demand for these changes, then hopefully something yeah. can actually be done about it. But yeah. yeah, no, so I read that and that was great. <laughs> Um, and then I don't know if you've read Normal People by Sally Rooney. No, I've read I've read Conversations with Friends. Okay. I think that was her first book. Yeah, I've no, not, it was. I've not read this one though. So yeah. it's been adapted into um, into her book has yeah been made into an, adap- an adaptation by the BBC and by Hulu. I think it's called, um, which is like the American platform that it's going on to. And, oh, right. um, I can't, have you not watched any of it? No, I, what, what is that? <laughs> <laughs> so, it's an adaptation Sorry, <laughs> of Sally Rooney's book, Normal People. And honestly, it's literally, it's so funny, isn't it? How I think we have such different social media bubbles. Because all <laughs> I've seen on everyone's story is everyone watching this show. Oh, Really? And you okay. haven't? No. That's, God, that's so I've funny. Been watching, I've been watching Beat the Chasers, Millie, at <laughs> nine o'clock with a cup of tea. It's kind of my vibe, okay? So this is um a lot more horny. <laughs> okay, okay. Um, well, I don't know about you, but the beast now and again. But, sure. Okay, tell me more about the horny people. So, yeah, if anyone doesn't know, and for you, Lauren. Thanks, <laughs> <laughs> So Normal People is a, the novel is basically a close look at a formative first love relationship between characters Marianne and Connell and they are so so smart, they are definitely smarter than your average young adults but they cannot communicate literally for shit. They are so bad at communicating. Um, What, just to each other or just to like other people? uh, I think a bit of both to be honest. Oh okay. yeah, it's, it's very Socially bizarre. awkward, okay. No, not socially awkward, that's the thing. They aren't even slightly socially awkward, apart from Marianne, probably at school, because she's just really disliked. Um, and then oh. Connell at school is very popular. It's that classic, like, oh, popular guy dates the unpopular girl, and it's a secret, and then it, like... Oh, the Cinderella story type, like, well, it's No, well, yeah, but it's really not a Cinderella story, that's the thing. Oh, um, okay. <laughs> The novel and adaptation look at themes of class difference, abuse, trauma, and its manifestations, and mostly it's an exploration of relationships. So toxic relationships, uncertain and confused ones, or the rare relationships that come with an extraordinary sort of love. Um, it covers them all, really. And 
both the novel and the adaptation are like very raw and very sensual oh my god they have sex like sex sex <laughs> not even that I, I i love that i'm laughing i'm clearly a bit like but no it's just proper sex it's like very real authentic how it is in person sex there's none of this sort of like hollywood drama to it it's just beautiful there's no what way. it is like waking up and everything's perfect and your hair is smooth and all your hair looks like rat's tails and everything's quite disgusting yeah no not at all it's just very very raw is the only way that i know how to put it to be honest um it's how you imagine it and how it is and it's like her yeah it's honestly it's really really wonderful watching it i think more than reading actually but it bought Back, it brought back lots of like memories of my first love but isn't that adorable um and yeah I don't know just all the newness of everything that comes with your first love which is kind of incomparable to anything else I think really because you can't experience first things for the first time again can you no yeah and there's there it's such a like I don't know it's such a lovely tie and it's everybody can kind of understand or or has very similar tales of their like first love first relationship first Mm. times even they're probably wildly different on the the sort of surface of it but once you get talking to somebody about like your first you know there's just so many of the same themes that come through but no it is this incredibly moving story and it's it's just because it explores kind of like the really dark side of their relationship as well as the happy times and there's always this kind of underlying feeling that they're not actually right for each other but they are so right for each other or the timings are for it's there's always an obstacle in the way um and i read this really great interview with paul meskel who plays connell the lead and it was just about what it was like to um film the incredibly like intimate scenes with when they were having sex and you know you see literally every single part of their body but it never feels exploitative um and the yeah the interview on the cut is it's just a different angle that i've not seen anywhere else i've read so many articles about it because i don't know about you but when i really enjoy something i want to know what everyone thinks about it like so i can compare what i think about it to then what everyone else thinks about it i don't know yeah, I don't. I don't know. If I, I tend to like if I really, really enjoyed something. I tend to go to like the actors' responses, so like what it was like actually behind the scenes. Yeah, so that's kind of what this article is like. Um, yeah. Well, no, this that is exactly what this interview is. It's yeah, just about their intimate sex scenes. But that oh, was a God. good angle on it. That sounds. Uh, it sounds worth a watch. Yeah, you should watch it. It's um, it's brilliant. I would read it first. I don't know. Yeah. You can definitely follow it if you haven't read it. But at the same time, there are so many bits of the story that aren't explained quite as well because obviously it's visual. Because it's visual, and when you're watching something, I don't. When you're watching it, it's just a bit like it does feel like it's lacking, but it's not lacking because you know what's going on in the book. Yeah, I might, well, I've just ordered myself a, a new Kindle, um, so I, I might get it on that and start um, start reading it first. Honestly, I think I like to read things first. You'll devour it. I think I read it yeah. in one day. It's one of those yeah. ones you just don't put it down because you want to know what happens, although I've sort of told you what happens, sorry. <laughs> but it I did quite like her, her writing from, from um, 
conversations with friends. She writes very like you can you can completely understand what what that person's feeling at that time. Mm, is that I quite like that. Um, another piece of really good writing slash mm-hmm. um, a TV series. Have you seen Afterlife? Never. No. No. Mm. I'm, uh, I'm not a Ricky Gervais fan. I don't, um, the thing is, though, I just don't know if you need to be a Ricky Gervais fan. Like, yeah. I know with every character he sort of plays himself, but this is different. It's it's so beautiful, and I feel very yeah. weird saying that about anything that Ricky Gervais puts out. Um, <laughs> but it really is. It's. I know I've been rambling for so long about TV, but... I watched all of the, I, I binge watched TV over, I think I watched, um, I watched Normal People over three days and we watched Afterlife, Afterlife in one evening because I think it's only like six or seven shows that are like 25 minutes long. So it's quite oh, a lot easy. of television, but like also Bottle of Wine, Friday night, very easy Sausage. to do. Yeah. Um, and honestly, it's really one of the most wonderful things I've ever watched on TV, which... I mean, everyone yeah. loves The Office. I've actually never watched The Office, which is maybe why I don't have Ricky Gervais on this weird pedestal that most other people do, and they don't enjoy him anymore because he's evolved so much from that. Well, the thing is, actually, I think so. For me, I don't like. I don't really like him in The Office, and I think that's what's in the back of my head is that mm. he's that guy, um, and I just I feel like sometimes he uses he's kind of like gets a bit self-righteous sometimes and that annoys me like off the screen um and although he stands up for some really big causes and i'm always like here for that and he always slams other celebrities which i'm also (laughs) always enjoying um but sometimes i can be a bit like "Hmm, you've got to look in the mirror um and i think that so I think that that's why I find it. I've always just been like not interested but you're I think you're like the fourth person to say to me that afterlife is like worth a watch and I also know that it makes you cry and I do enjoy being forced crying through my television yeah literally this is the thing like one minute you're laughing and it's wonderful and then the next minute you're crying and it's not the kind of like oh tear I'm a bit sad one tear down the down the cheek kind of crying it's like I was sobbing I was ugly crying I was like (laughs) howling I, I was like uncontrollable. I can't explain it. I was just so overwhelmed. But then I think it's because honestly, it's the most relatable thing I've ever seen about depression ever. So it has this really clever way of depicting it as being, I don't know, just a bit meh. So it's as in depression being a bit meh rather than. Instead of it being such a like heavy. well yeah heavy is probably not the word well no it is heavy and like the whole thing is very heavy but it's just very like matter of fact it's like the way that it describes depression is that underlying depression that when you're someone who is depressed but you who you're able to cope with day-to-day life Uh, that sort of just like meh feeling of life and i have never seen it expressed so well anywhere because I do think that most things that you watch are dramatic. about depression, it's very dramatic, right? It's, it's the other side of the scale. Mm. It's very, and it's very heavy. It's very, it's shocking and it's hard to watch and it's, and it gets under your skin. But I don't, I think that it can be quite far away from a lot of people's realities. Yeah. Um, and which, which I don't think really helps the conversation when you're talking about how 
you know, so many people will come into will end up with depression at some point in their life or will, might struggle with it for all of their lives. And it doesn't really help if the only things that we see about it are so drastic. So Yeah, one hundred percent. That's so so true. And I guess we should probably or at least I need to probably clarify that I'm definitely someone who goes in and out of like periods of very, very dark periods of depression. And that's why yeah. I think I can call it a bit meh. <laughs> Like, yeah. I know what it's like to to wake up and just be like, I can't really be asked for today, but I'm gonna carry on and do it. And it's the it's it's the not feeling stuff. I think that he expresses really well, just like having no feelings, and that's the sort of depression that you don't see portrayed very often. No, no, you don't. No, that's yeah. You've sold me. Look at that. You've sold me on two. <laughs> You're welcome. Convinced. Yeah. That's my weekend sorted. Thanks for that. <laughs> um yeah, no, it was it was really good. It was it was quite heavy and I think you do have to prepare yourself when you go into it that you are probably gonna properly cry, or maybe that's just me. I don't know. No, I do like a cry. I Sometimes do. I just need somebody to kick me off cry. to get it all out, you know? And then I'm, yeah, I'm, well, I'm I, good I, for another I week. I struggle <laughs> to cry, like, organically. So I tend to have to put on, like, Marley and me or, like, Stepmom or oh Stella Alex step-mom. and, like, get it going. No, like, Stepmom is, is the worst. I can't, I oh can't do Stepmom. It kills me. I have to, like, pod Stepmom to cry because I can't hear it over my sobbing. That. <laughs> that's the sort of level i get to yeah enjoy afterlife then you're gonna have a wild time with this one (laughs) it's probably going to take me a little bit longer if i have to keep pausing it but yeah (laughs) cool oh dear um so i guess we thought we would talk about dreams a little bit as well as our general catch-up stuff because i don't know about you but my dreams have been ridiculous ridiculous (laughs) yeah well i just I'm finding this entire thing quite odd just purely because I'm I'm not somebody, well, actually, now having read it a little bit, I know that I dream. I just don't remember my dreams. Mm. I've always just thought that I don't really dream at all, but apparently I do. But I, yeah, I, I don't really remember them. I maybe, I maybe remember a dream like once every fortnight, if that. So now I'm waking up almost daily remembering my dreams and it's, it's really, it's really weird, man. Like, my it is really weird, not isn't it? Like, yeah. Yeah, see, I don't know if I'm like you where I... Because I'm guessing the reason why you now remember them is because you're not sleeping as heavily as you usually sleep. Maybe, yeah. What have you read? Because that's what well, I've read. Well, so I've, I've read a couple of... So I think some of it has been that it's it's probably because I'm sleeping a little bit more and also I'm like my my brain is switched off before I'm properly in bed so mm. then my like I'm able to be more creative but also my, my mind is able to sort of still work whereas usually I would kind of almost go into a coma and I'm not remembering anything in that catatonic <laughs> state and then because <laughs> that's it's not gonna happen um but then and then obviously, like, I'm such a, I wake up so early, but because I wake up so early when I go to bed, the first thing, the only thing I'm thinking about is how early I need to wake up, mm-hmm. whereas now that's different. So I feel like I'm far more relaxed. But then I've read the opposite that says it's because everybody's really stressed and the anxiety is really high. 
Um, <laughs> so I was like, I don't really know. I don't know if I'm super relaxed or just super anxious. Yeah, so Should I was going to say that's, that's what I think that I am because I don't think that I ever, because I'm a terrible, terrible, terrible sleeper. Like, I barely, any noise will wake me up during the night. Like, sometimes in the morning, because Cal usually gets up before me, and even if he just, like, turns over in bed when he wakes up, I wake up. You're such a late sleeper. Um, Yeah, I really am. Like, any small noise, and I wake up. But I think it's because I don't hit that level of, like, REM sleep ever. So I'm permanently tired um and I don't really sleep so I've this whole thing where I think I've not been putting so much pressure on myself generally I've been sleeping a lot better and sleeping properly so I've been having dreams <laughs> which is yeah it's wild it's welcome quite nice. to this world that is this is interesting <laughs> I say it's nice it's not nice I've not had any nice dreams I've had like horrible dreams have you had like nightmares? Yeah, or... I've I've literally just, really? but not even like, I don't know, someone's gonna get me in the knife with a, in the woods kind of nightmares. It's like psychological traumatic nightmares. Oh God! Oh no, that's not what you want. No. No. So I mean, I say I'm more relaxed, but maybe not. <laughs> I think they sound more like anxiety dreams. <laughs> they don't sound like chills out. Well, I do think like, they're like things that sleep. I've like. I've always worried about and stuff so but there's stuff that I worry about consciously and I've like definitely you know had therapy and stuff to try and deal with so I don't really know why they're surfacing now because I don't think that I really don't feel any I feel so much less stressed than usual well you know it's funny that you say that because I was I was talking to a friend a couple maybe like a week or so ago and she's recently went through a breakup um I say recently, like a couple of months, and we were talking, and basically she had a dream that brought it all up again, and she'd felt as if she was doing really well, she's been dealing with it, she's doing like all the things, she's basically like a breakup pro, Mm. and she'd be doing all of the things that I wish that I had done, Um, and and she was like really angry because she woke up and all of these feelings had surfaced again, and she was having, and she was like, it's basically like your subconscious just fucking you over. She was like, what the hell did I do to deserve this? And I, feel, I it's weird because I do it as well. Like, I'll be fine about something or, like, you know, I'll, I'll put things behind me or I'll, you know, go through this all of the steps, all of the therapy steps to get over something. Mm. And then, like, six months down the line, there's this random dream crops up and then I'm, like, back at step one again. And I'm like, what is going on here? Like, Your why? Your subconscious is like, like, I don't I- think so. <laughs> <laughs> I was just like, sorry, I'm I'm not doing all of this again. I got I got to level ten. I want to stay there. Stop bringing me down. Um. So yeah, I don't know. Like maybe maybe it's just like your subconscious just likes to throw a curveball and now and again, and it's like deal with that. Yeah, deal maybe. With that one. Um, I've Enjoy got that. this this really good little soundbite from TikTok of all places. My little sister sent it to me because she said that um, she saw that we were going to be talking about dreams on our story. So she sent me a TikTok video that explains why we're having strange dreams. So here this is. Great. Strange dreams during the coronavirus pandemic. This pandemic is causing us to have more stress. Stress in your dream states activates serotonin nerve receptors. This then turns off the dorsal prefrontal cortex, resulting in emotional disinhibition. 
This is when emotions flood your consciousness, especially during rapid eye movement or REM sleep, the stage we have dreams. The more you wake up during sleep, the more of your dream you remember. We're also waking up more during sleep because of stress. So we're remembering all these crazy dreams. Thank you, TikTok. <laughs> Who knew? Thanks for that. Thanks for that, Dr. TikTok. Oh my god, the, we'll the music back. was a bit much. But um, interesting snippet of info there, I think. Yeah, well, maybe that's why. Maybe. I don't... Yeah, I don't think my dreams have necessarily been, like, stressing. They've been weird, though. How like, so? Well, I mean, I, I, this doesn't come as a surprise um, to anybody that knows me. But I did have a dream about Chris Whitty. Lol. <laughs> and just before you start, this is not a Lauren and dream. Chris Whitty sitting in a tree. <laughs> okay. Okay, I do have a brain crush on him, this is true, but that's as far as it goes, okay? He's just he's he's just an incredible mind and we'll leave it at that. But that yeah, that was yeah, basically whatever. what my dream was was about and it was but it was so weird. It was like it was like all, almost as if Chris Whitty had, had the entire world on his shoulders and he was like the one mind left to like find the cure for COVID-19 and get us out of the situation. God you don't um, fancy him at all do you? <laughs> no I don't I don't have any weird weird um sort of egotistical points against him at all um but yeah I'm just super chill about him. um but basically like I had this I you know when people to do like Tour de France and mm. they have they're like backup support teams that hand them like their gels and their waters and stuff throughout and that get them the foil after they come out and do all that. They've got the full team around them to like make sure everything is perfect for them to perform. Yeah. I was basically part of his like Chris Whitty mind support team and obviously wasn't providing (laughs) gels and fluids, but it was like, it was as if he was doing an endurance sport, but he was just thinking really hard. Oh and we were all like, just keep going, Chris. It was very bizarre. I woke up being like, shit, Lauren, you really need to stop watching those daily briefings because this is getting quite intense. Oh, um, wow. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, I've not had any dreams like that. Mine are more about, you know, torment. So. Oh, okay, so you've got like the screaming... The screaming ghost dreams, and I've got the weird. Your mind is a bit fucked up dreams. Great. Okay. Yeah, good. Yeah. What can What can we do? I don't know. We'll just try and get on with it. Um, my friend Nikki. I don't know if you've met Nikki, but have you met Nikki? You must have done. Maybe not. Probably at some point. Probably. Um, she said that she had. She replied to my Instagram story saying that she's had a dream that the world has ended. So, yeah. Right. Okay. But no, I do remember I think like, it at is, the start, everybody thing. was talking about how it was like we were in the Matrix and like how everything had, I'd actually finished and like, we were all dreaming that this was still going on. And I was like, oh, that's a pretty fucked up way to think about it. Yeah, yeah. no, it's definitely still, still going. Um, oh, let's find a bit from someone who actually knows what they're talking about, about dreams. So, someone called Barrett explains, this is on Wired, that um, a lot of it is just slightly sleep-deprived people catching up on sleep and that people who are letting themselves sleep a natural amount at night are getting more and more dreams, said Deirdre Barrett, assistant professor of psychology at Harvard Medical School and author of books including The Committee of Sleep and Trauma and Dreams. Maybe I should buy that book. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. 
this you should probably look into this a little bit more. <laughs> this Barrett explains. issues here. <laughs> Don't. This Barrett explains is impacting the amount of rapid eye movement sleep, i.e., REM that people are getting. In a typical sleep cycle, REM follows a d- period of deep sleep and is when dreams tend to be most vivid. With more people sleeping for longer periods and not being woken artificially by alarm clocks, they're experiencing more complete sleep cycles and more REM as a result. So. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, probably. I mean, she's the expert, so I'm going to say yeah. Are you still setting your alarm? Yeah, I am. Why? Why are you doing that? I know, I'm still excited. It's just such a like habit. The other, the other, I think it was like last Thursday, I forgot to set it. I just fell asleep without setting it and I woke up and I had just like the worst day because I don't, I don't know. I was just like, I was obviously a little bit late in comparison to what I usually am and everything just seemed a bit off. So I don't know. I think it's like, I don't know, I have to have it on. Yeah, that's fair enough. If you need the routine, and you, yeah. you know, if you're like used to it, then that's. Oh, sorry, yeah. just doing hiccups. Um, if, yeah, if routine is something that's important, even slightly, um, then continue doing what you're doing, obviously. Yeah, and and see, my dreams obviously aren't as um, I don't know, horrifying as yours. So no, honestly, can... they are traumatic. It's like yeah. I just I'd rather not dream. But, you know, we'll yeah. work, we will work it I out. I don't mind dreaming about Chris Whitty. I don't mind being his support team. I can do that. <laughs> I'll take one for the team. <laughs> and on that note, I think we should probably leave it there. And thank you for listening and stuff. And, yeah. Yeah. You can find... It's been great. It has been great. Um, you can find me at merely underscore cotton. And you can find me at Lauren underscore talks. And we are going to leave you with a banger of a tune that fits right in and Lauren doesn't know this is happening. Oh no, is that playing? Can you hear it? Yeah. Yay! Oh, it's him. Oh, I'm dancing. I'm dancing. <laughs> Slow clap and light it, everyone. Oh yeah. <laughs> When is when is the chorus? How long is this gonna go on for? It takes a while. <laughs> yeah, we all got a lot of seconds to do. Your dreams coming true, Melly. No, not maybe not. Anyway, <laughs> see you <laughs> later.